Like, first thoughts that I have in my mind are, we're going to be talking about circumcision for a long time. So get used to it, used to the word. That is going to be apparently a topic of conversation from chapter one all the way to chapter six. But my other uh, first impression is with all the anticipation, with all of the, the hope that one thing would happen from Paul, that we would be encouraged or that he would set the record straight. Certainly he has set the record straight, but we, we've been longing to hear from Paul again about this good news. And the bubble gets burst about verse six of chapter one. That all of a sudden we're going, whoa, I am disoriented all of a sudden. At about chapter one, verse six, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the gospel. It's been barely a year since he came and planted the church and all of a sudden it's been a short amount of time and we are abandoning the gospel. We can all, I think, relate to that. If we can't, we will. That we so easily abandon the gospel, we so easily then abandon the God of the gospel for lesser things and Galatians will encourage us and invite us again and again to find our hope in nothing less than Jesus Christ and and his righteousness. So as we read that, I, I think that we just feel the tension that happens when we go through the book of Galatians. So that's, I really had like two goals. One is read the book just as they would have read it in first century Galatia, which is this, there's only, this is only one of uh, Paul's letters and the only one of Paul's letters that he doesn't either only address an individual or a local church. Instead, this is addressed to like all of Fort Bend County, to all the churches in Galatia, in, 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 in all the churches in Derby and Iconium, and all the different places that he stopped and planted churches like Richmond and Rosenberg and Katy and Sugarland and Needville. So he he writes this book to an entire region as if to say, this is a warning shot across everyone that we're all so easily tempted to give up on the goodness of God and his good news. So that's one goal. The other goal, and I'm gonna have to do this quickly, and you know me, I always preach short sermons. (laughs) That was a little bit too hearty of a laugh, whoever that was. I have your name down and we'll talk later. There's two points that I want to make just in, in, in brief, and then we're going to observe uh, communion, and uh, we'll get on to the rest of this next week when we do Galatians. But two things that I think that, that are uh, important for us to introduce the book of Galatians for us. First is this, what was Paul up against? He's writing, and he's up against something. And I think we can find that in verses one and two of Galatians one. I'll just read it again. I know what you're thinking. We just read the whole thing. You're going to read more? Yes. But one and two say this, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. You see, there's some hints in here as to what Paul was up against. It wasn't just this circumcision party. It wasn't just these, what he calls Judaizers in 2 Corinthians, these people that would come back in after he'd planted a church and moved on, they would come in and go, yeah, 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 about Jesus. This is what Paul really meant to say. And Paul would say, they spied out our freedom. And we're going to be enslaved to rules and laws and regulations again? May it never be. Paul would continue to tell us. He was up against this circumcision party, he calls them, that were undermining his ministry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we know about Paul. He wasn't even around when Jesus was here. 
He wasn't even an apostle that walked with him. I mean, if, if somebody's going to tell us about Jesus, don't you think it should have been Peter? Don't you think it should have been James or John? And what Paul was reminding them is, no, no, my apostleship is not inferior to anyone because what else changes a man from wanting to murder people in Damascus to wanting to spread the unadulterated gospel of Jesus? His message now becomes my message. What else would change that? So if you undermine my apostleship, my authority, Paul is saying, then you also must undermine Jesus' message. The resurrected Jesus, that's what it says, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead, it's the resurrected Jesus, that's where I get my authority, Paul is saying. So you can't undermine my authority, and if you do, you're undermining Jesus' authority. And what you're really doing is that you're showing that you actually don't believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. If you don't believe my story, Paul is saying, of one that was riding into Damascus that was about to persecute, jail, imprison, and perhaps kill other Christians, and then Jesus literally knocks him off the horse, blinds him to the point where he repents and is saved. If you don't believe that story, Paul is saying, then you probably don't even believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. But God our Father has risen him from the dead. He has raised him from the dead. So he's up against some pretty terrible rumors about his character, about his ministry, about really where he holds his authority, and now he stands against all of that in this letter. And this is Paul's invitation to self-examination because this is like the big picture, I think, of all of Galatians is this. What you believe about God comes out in how you treat people. What you believe about God comes out and how you treat people. Because the main theme is that there is no other gospel by which we're saved, and the righteous now shall live by faith. And this comes out on what we believe about God and how we treat people. What he's saying is if you undermine Paul, you undermine Jesus, and if you undermine Jesus, the Lord have mercy on you. That's a spy out to our freedom that's Paul's first defense, right? He's up against these people that are spreading rumor about him, that are preaching a different gospel, and he's saying, look, my authority, you can, you can question it all you want, but it comes from the risen Jesus himself. And then you can kind of almost see him working through their next problem. That if they didn't already undermine his authority, he's already kind of, because he's, you know, you gotta know, like, Paul was a trained lawyer, and so he's working through the questions that he thinks they're asking as he's writing these books. So it makes them difficult to read, also it makes them difficult to receive some days. You can almost see him working through the next problem. And the next problem is, I don't like the way you just talked to me. I don't like the way that you just said that. And so you can almost see him working through this next problem in verse two when he says this. And oh, by the way, if you don't like what I'm saying, all the brothers are with me too. Now, if you don't know who the brothers are, we don't actually know, but we can infer it's probably Barnabas because they knew him. Could have been Titus, could have been some other guys that he references in the book, but it also could have been Peter. Could have been James, could have been John. He's, he's referencing a community of authority to say, and oh, by the way, they're all with me too, and they're signing off with how I'm writing this and what I'm writing. Now, that's going to be difficult for us, and I'll tell you why. 
Because just like the Galatians, we have issue with how people talk to us. And so there's two questions I think that are helpful to ask. First one is this, for those of you who are in the receiving end of hard and difficult things, hard and difficult uh, conversations that people are compelled to have with you, which you just read the same book I read when he calls them foolish, which we're going to look at in Galatians 3.1. He basically goes, you're a bunch of idiots. What are you guys doing? You're, you're abandoning God and his goodness. Is this really the, the road that you want to travel? Because you're going to lose. If you, if you just submit to one part of the law, now you're accountable to all of it. And you are severed off from the grace of God. That's hard, Paul. Why are you saying that to me, man? And, and so we, we need to apply that for us when someone says something difficult to you and invites you to the same self-examination that Paul will call all of us to in the book of Galatians. Do we believe the true gospel? Is, is it coming out in our behavior about how we treat other people, about how we treat ourselves, about how we're doing X, Y, and Z? When that question comes, because we have, we have the, the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Like Paul in 4.19, when those questions come, for those of us that are on the receiving end of hard conversations, what do you do when you're corrected? Who are you? Paul is saying, I'm an apostle. I'm the risen Jesus. That's who I am. Who are you? What do you do when we're corrected by someone? Do you listen? Do you thank them for their faithfulness to do the hard but right thing to come and talk to you about whatever issues they have with you? That's what the Bible calls us to. Do you accuse them of hurting your feelings, of not doing what you would do, of saying it the wrong, with the wrong tone, at the wrong time, with the wrong words? All things that I've done. Said it with the wrong tone. Some of you right now are going, yeah, you're doing that right now. Said it with the wrong tone, saying it with the right word, with the wrong words. Saying it with the, at, the right, at the wrong time, there's never a good time to have a hard conversation. And Paul knows that. And he says, friends, these are all excuses not to receive the truth. So if you don't believe me, will you believe the brothers that are with me? And for those of us that, are, that need to have hard conversations with others, I know the temptation. You don't need the drama. So why enter into that? Because just as Paul didn't need the drama and he had the marks of Christ's persecution on his body and yet he was pained to the point of childbirth until Christ was formed into another brother or into another sister, it's not about us. For those that are receiving, it's not about us. For those that are giving in these Harvard conversations, it's not about us. It's about Christ being formed in both of us as we enter into really difficult conversations. Did you read chapter two with us? When, when Paul does something publicly and, or Peter does something publicly that's just really not in line with the gospel, and what does Paul do? Hey, by the way, if you don't think my, my apostleship is from Jesus and you think that it's just subordinate to Peter's, you remember when Peter messed up amongst y'all? I stood up and I said, Peter, how dare you act like a, a, a Jew when you haven't been acting like a Jew for the last two weeks? All of a sudden, there's some tension here. The book of Galatians is going to invite us into maturity. The book of Galatians is going to invite us to get, get beyond where we think we want to be and then instead die to ourselves and find life in the path of Christ, of 
trusting in him and him alone. That's point one, quickly. We have these questions to consider. We have that Paul was up against these people that were, that were questioning him, that were really just undermining his entire ministry. And he says, man, I come from the risen Jesus and I've got the brothers with me. Would you receive these hard words because they're not easy to give either. And you know how he was able to do that? It wasn't because he was bold. It wasn't because he was brave. It wasn't because he was courageous. It was because he leaned against the gospel. And so in verses three and four and five, Paul leaned against the gospel. Look at what it says. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself up. This is the gospel right here. If you ever want just like two verses on what the gospel is, this is what it is. That the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is not about Paul, this is not about any preacher or a pastor. This instead is about the glory of God. And that is best manifest itself as Jesus, the Lord Jesus, the master of all things, creator of all things. Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, gave himself up for our sins. His life, death, and resurrection isn't a fairy tale that we read in a scroll hidden far away. Instead, it is the very path of life. It is the best news we've ever heard. This isn't just any sacrifice for our sin. It is the greatest sacrifice at the highest price for the sinners of the worst degree. And what Paul is gonna invite us into is to identify with the sinners of the worst degree. Not because he's trying to condemn us, not because we're, he's being judgmental, but because he knows that when we're there, we will look upon Jesus' sacrifice as greater and greater, more beautiful and glorious than we ever could have imagined. And this will all get unfolded. And we will be challenged to figure out how is it that I'm earning God's favor this week, every week. For some of us, we're like, okay, that doesn't sound fun. I think this is my one and only time to be at the Grove or I'm done. Friends, let's not shy away from the book. Let's not shy away from God's invitation, not to become a better human, that, that, that's not the invitation. The invitation is to be a better follower of Jesus. We can honor him, glorify him. See, this sacrifice, he says, secured for us, not just that he would go, we would go to heaven one day, but he says to deliver us from the present evil age. Y'all know this evil age is evil. This present age is evil. Th there's one big lie that's going on in this present age, which is evil, and that is this. Candy is good for you. You think I'm playing, I'm, I'm not. I think that's a spiritual message that candy is good for you. And here's how this manifests itself. You know that like this last week, there was a teen that went blind. Did you guys hear about this? There was a teen that went blind because they only ate french fries, white bread, and what was the other thing that didn't have anything in it? Potato chips. Potato chips, french fries, and white bread led this teen to become blind. And if we're not careful as American, Galatian, Grovian Christians, we'll demand the candy of achievement, we'll demand the candy of accumulation, and we'll, we'll, we'll demand all sorts of sweet things that our diet prefers. 
and we may go blind to the truth. We, we, we prefer all these easier things to eat, but God is calling us to get out of the diet of my five-year-old son. Start eating vegetables. Start eating good meat. Dude ate steak for the first time this summer, and he was like, I like steak! And I was like, been trying to tell you, bro. <laughs> now we can't afford any for the next six months, but that was good though, right? God does not deliver us just out of this present age into heaven, but from the power of this present age and the power that this present age holds. God's intent for us is deliverance, freedom from anything which captures our affection and our attention to living freely in Christ. That's the goal that God wants for us. That's the goal again and again that Paul will invite us into. We live in freedom because this is a generous gift of God our Father. That's what he says. It's according to the will of our God and our Father that we would live in freedom, not in slave to the pattern of this world. He doesn't want to harm us. He doesn't want to see us hurt or disappointed, but alas, when our hope is built on something less than Jesus Christ and righteousness, what will end up happening? We will be disappointed. We will uh, be discontent. We will find anxiety in our hearts. We will become or more prone to depression. All those things that you see our society is just bursting forth with epidemic after epidemic. Why? Because we have forgotten the true gospel or we've never heard it or we don't hear it. We've never believed it. We just forgot it like since Tuesday. God is inviting us again and again to find our only hope and God's true desire for us that we would find no hope other than the hope that is found in Christ. And this is the heart of the course correction for the church at Galatia, that we would be crucified with Christ so that it is no longer us who live for our own desires and our own dreams, but instead that Christ's life would be evident in all of us. Salt, light for ourselves and for the good of others. You're not gonna believe this, but I'm done. Right after these questions. And there are two. Because Galatians is gonna ask us to consider them again and again. Do you need to approach someone in humility for their good and their growth and have a hard conversation with someone else? Or, how do you react when someone says something to you that is difficult to hear? That's like question one, depending on what side of the, the, the table that you're on. Do you need to have a conversation with someone? And then how will you receive the conversation from someone? In humility, not because you want to be right, that's a recipe for disaster, but because you want to see Christ formed in another. Because you see a brother or a sister in danger. Question two, how does your reaction to that conversation reflect your belief in the gospel? Are you afraid of people? You're afraid of people that you don't want to do it or you're afraid of people of what they're going to think of you from here on out? Because in Galatians 1, he's going to say, look, if I was still trying to please man, I could not please God. We're going to have a whole, whole Sunday dedicated just to that. 
Will we respond well according to the gospel for what we believe about God is reflected in how we treat his people? Let's pray. Father, would you help us understand how it is that the book of Galatians is going to challenge us? I think we're, 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 we're clear on how it's going to challenge us. How will it encourage us to live according to the true gospel? Let us be a people that now leave out of here, and you can kind of just see the the importance of the table, of, of not just the communion table, but the dinner table where we've heard this whole book read to us and man, like maybe we just need to kick it around. Like what did we hear today? What, what do you think Paul meant when he said that they're spying out our freedom? How is my freedom being spied out? Who am I in the pains of childbirth for other people's spiritual formation? Is there anyone that I care so much about that is painful inside of me until they come to become more like Jesus? Or is there a fruit in me that's not of the spirit, fruit of the flesh? On and on and on we could go that we could just start to talk about these things over lunch and over dinner. Oh, that we would be freed up from schedules. We would be freed up from obligation, we would be freed up from whatever it is that someone is telling us, you got to do these things in order to have a good life. You got to do these things in order to follow Jesus. Except that we would believe. Except that we would exercise our trust in the risen Son of God. So would you help us apply these things, discern these things, and live in the gospel. For there is no other gospel that will satisfy us, no other news that's good news except that of your son Jesus, who came, gave himself for our sins, delivering us from the present evil age, and all this in submission and obedience to the will of his Father, who now is ours. Help us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.